listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. All right, amen. There are times when the Holy Spirit really shows you the meaning of, of a song. I, I believe that just happened. Thank you guys for, for leading us in that. Let all else fade away. If he's not in it, I don't want it. And I've been praying and hopeful that he's in this sermon tonight and he's gonna speak to you in an awesome thing. Um, I don't know if you've met people like this in your life. Uh, I've met a few, but there are maybe some people that you've met that as you talk to them, as you interact with them, maybe even as you get to hear them pray or how they they talk about Jesus, it, you, you just kind of know like they really, really know him. Like they, they really get it. Yeah, can I get some thumbs up? Y'all maybe have some people in your life like that you kind of look up to. Um, one of those people in, in my life was a professor of mine. Um, his name is Dr. Gary Grambling. He's at Howard Payne University. Um, he taught Greek. Uh, most pastors have to take Greek at some point. I did it every morning at 8 a.m., not Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every morning. It was fun. We made it through. That's when I developed a coffee addiction. So thank you, Greek. Um, but one of the things I loved about that class is every morning he'd come in, say, Calimera, everyone, which is good morning in Greek. And uh, he would share a little Devo with us. And then he would pray for us before the class began. And I, I don't want to like over-spiritualize this, but you kind of felt like as he began to pray, you're like caught up to the third heavens or like, like the, the tent is right there. And you know, like it's when Moses went into the tent, like you kind of feel like you're with the people of Israel and like God is just more present. Now, of course, that's not actually true. The Holy Spirit is present within you, but the way he talked to God was honestly amazing. And the relationship that he had with God was very amazing. And I believe, referencing back from last week, that the reason that is is because Dr. Gary Gramling knows amazing grace. He knows how amazing the grace of God is. And so you see the slide up behind us this week. We're gonna be talking about pray, pray up. Last week we bless up, this week is pray up. We'll see what other kind of wordplay I can do in the rest of the weeks to, to keep you focused and attentive. But yeah, I wanna, I wanna talk about prayer this week. And um, specifically, the prayers that, what kind of prayers come from Christians that know how amazing God's love is? What would the content of our prayers be? And so what I love about the, the New Testament and Old Testament, all of the Bible, but specifically here in the book of Ephesians, by the way, we're gonna be in verse 15 of chapter one. Y'all go ahead and go there. What I love about this is that right here, we get a biblical prayer. Paul actually tells them, not just like, hey, praying for you, love you, that would be awesome. But he actually tells them specifically how he's been praying for them. And what he's actually done, this is why I want you to lean in. If you weren't here last week, maybe go listen to our sermon from last week and maybe help you just a little bit, but still very relevant, even if, even if you weren't there. What I think he's doing is after what we covered last week about all the blessings that we have as being a Christian, now what he's doing is he's praying specifically that those truths of God's grace would be applied to the lives of the people, that they would actually experience him deeply and know them. And so what I love about this, and again, I don't want to over-mystify it, but in a way, when we read Paul's prayer, we can kind of almost have a, a Dr. Grambling experience. We can sort of see and get a front row seat into what are the, what are the ways that the apostle Paul prayed? And we know 
Paul knows grace very well. What are the things that he said that he prayed for other believers in Ephesus? He stayed in Ephesus, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the longest out of any of the places that he traveled, about two and a half years or so. And I believe it was just mainly because he really loved these people. This prayer he prays for them, you're gonna see love, you're gonna see compassion. So tonight we get a front row seat to that. And so here's our question for you note takers out there. What do I pray for if I want God's grace to be amazing in my life? What do I pray for if I want God's grace to be amazing in my life? In other words, what would I be asking God for? What would I be having conversations with God? What would those look like if I really want the truth of all that he's done for me to to really sink in and be a big part of my life, to be truly amazing? And so we're gonna dive in. Ephesians chapter one, verse 15. Let's read this together. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That's a pretty cool deal. Like he's saying, day after day, I'm praying for you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ. It's a lot of sentences here, a lot of of words. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Lots of English teachers just had a big problem with all that, but no no punctuation, but we're, we're getting there to the end. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Man, just a lot of good stuff there. What I'm going to try to do is unpack and, and basically three kind of different answers to the question of what do we pray for if we want God's grace to be amazing in our life. And the first thing that I want you to see is that I believe we need to pray to have a dependence upon the Holy Spirit for knowledge and wisdom, a dependence upon the Holy Spirit for knowledge and wisdom. Now, don't check out. Some of you are like, I already know that. Let's look here at where I'm kind of getting this from. I want you to notice that Paul's saying, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He has thankful prayers. I believe he's also unceasingly, not 24-7 constantly, but day after day, praying very fervently that these things will happen. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 17, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I believe what he's saying is he understands that, hey, actually all believers have the Holy Spirit. When we, when we believe in, in Jesus Christ, when we believe in the gospel that he died for your sins and rose from the dead, you have the Holy Spirit in you. I believe what he's getting at, some of your versions may have a lowercase s spirit. Some of them may have uppercase. As I read some commentaries this week, we can simplify this. We actually know that the Holy Spirit is the one that we need to rely upon to do that work of giving us knowledge and wisdom, right? You tracking with that? And so it's not so much give me more or, or give, give me the Holy Spirit. It's saying, Holy Spirit of God, give to me, be my source of this knowledge and wisdom. I don't want to try to get that from a different source. I recognize that it comes from 
you. It's a similar idea. How many people know the, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13? Y'all familiar with that? It's read it like every wedding, including ones that I do, all right? And so part of that chapter, it says you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have love, it's, it's what? It's, it's useless. It's nothing. And I think a lot of that idea is that we could have a robust knowledge of theology. We could, we could know all the, the right Bible verses to know. But if we didn't obtain that knowledge out of sincere dependence on God for that in a, in a posture of humility, we've missed the point. I, uh, to kind of connect this for you, I, there's a guy I went to college with at, at Howard Payne. And uh, man, he, I, I believe he was sincere, but he was very zealous for theological knowledge. Like he, he obviously spent a lot of time learning that the ins and outs of every fine point debate, you, we can name a lot of things. Um, he, he probably knew a lot of good little Bible verses and passages to kind of bring things up, but you could kind of tell in his heart what had maybe happened. Okay, I can't know this for sure, but it seemed that his growth in knowledge was divorced from the very posture that Christ would have us to attain knowledge, okay? And so his growth in knowledge was not in a posture of humility and dependence, but he kind of sought this, uh, these opportunities to gain knowledge, and it seemed what it did is led to pride and not to praise. Y'all tracking with that? And so this is why it's so important, like Christian, grow, grow, grow. I, like, I, I rarely see someone, I'm like, you need to stop growing, right? I rarely see that happening. But it needs to be in a posture of dependence upon the Holy Spirit for that very knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom that leads and knowledge that leads to, to praise and not pride. So the first thing, what do I pray for if I want God's grace to be amazing in my life? We pray to have a dependence upon the Holy Spirit for knowledge and wisdom. And that's really, really important. So bear with me. I believe that's the foundation that sets up the rest of this. Now, going back to, uh, we're in chapter one, going back to this passage. In verse 18, it says this. He's prayed that the Holy Spirit would give you knowledge and wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. And then verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Now, how many of you ended your quiet time today and were like, I had the eyes of my heart enlightened? Like none of you probably said that, right? So we need to kind of look into what this means. I believe he's gonna unpack this. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. So we've gotta go back, verse 18, having the eyes of your heart's enlightened. Uh, this could be also a concept, if you've, if you've heard of the concept of the illumination of the Holy Spirit, it's the, it's the idea of the Holy Spirit shining a light on, on specific truths or specific things that, that he would want you to see to sort of make them come out very vividly, that it would grab your attention. And then for those very things that he's wanting to show you, that they would come down deep into your heart. And so that's why the eyes of your heart need to be enlightened, right? Not just your mind, that this is not just a head knowledge, head worship. This is a full experience of knowledge that goes down into the heart, heart knowledge, heart worship. And look at this. He says this is what happens. When that were to happen, when God, which who we're dependent upon to do this, opens the eyes of our heart, we grow a deeper knowledge of Jesus's hope. You see that? 
You may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I think a lot of that is knowing how great his grace is, knowing how great his love is, and then even what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. So it seems what's key here in this chain, I hope you all see this, dependence upon the Holy Spirit. When we do that, we're saying, show me just how great and bring to me a deeper knowledge of Jesus' love, hope, and power. I hope you all can kind of see that, where we're getting that from. And so the basic thing that we need to pray for next is to pray for an enhanced spiritual vision. If we really want God's grace to be amazing in our life, we see Paul praying for these believers to have an enhanced spiritual vision. One way I put this is I don't, how many of you in this room either wear like contacts or glasses? I mean, if you wear glasses, I'm gonna call you out. This is joking. Um, so I have either worn glasses or contacts uh, since I was 10, so most of my life. And I don't know if I've ever done this but I will be at a point where I've kind of gotten used to the prescription and I'm, and I'm like, oh, hey, I, I see just fine. And, and then I go to the appointment and then they bring up a little test, right, with all the letters and numbers. And they're like, no, you're not fine. Like your vision has gotten worse. Any of y'all have that happen to you, but you didn't know? It's very funny because they, they, they pop up the little test thing. I don't know what that's called, but it has like numbers, letters on it. And like you say L, but no, that's actually an I or, or it's a seven. And so what's happened is that over time, your vision has gotten a little bit blurred, even though you couldn't tell, right? You, you think that you're seeing clearly, but you go and you test it against something objective and true and pure. You're like, oh man. And optometrist has to tell you, actually, your, your vision has decreased a little bit. Let me give you this new prescription, these new lenses that will enable you to see clearly, to see things for what they really are right? To see reality again. And I believe that's how it works with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes in the Christian life, we can have a blurred spiritual vision. Like we're, we're seeing these amazing truths in scripture and they're, and they're kind of blurry, right? We're not seeing them for all that they are in, in clarity and I'll use some big words in, ma- in their majesty, in their, in their glory, in their, in their beauty, in the way that they were designed to. And I believe when we, when we say, Holy Spirit, I'm dependent upon you, open the eyes of my heart, give me spiritual lenses to see. This is what's really cool is that that's the will of God. He loves when we pray for that. And what happens is where the Holy Spirit comes in and puts his lenses on us. And little by little, more and more and more, where our vision is, is no longer blurred when we, when we look at the depth of, of Jesus's love and hope and grace and power. We can see it for what it truly is. It's like with our new glasses, oh, that, that's an L. With our new spiritual glasses, oh, that's, that's grace. That's amazing. And so the next thing that we needed to pray for was to pray for an enhanced spiritual vision. We said that pray to have a dependence upon the Holy Spirit for that knowledge and wisdom. And, and Lord, God, please give me your lenses. I wanna see things as they really are. I wanna see the reality of how great you are. So we keep kind of trekking through here. Y'all pick up with me in verse 19. So remember, in verses 18 and 19, this is including the things that he wants your, the eyes of your heart to be open to, to see clearly. And then verse 19, specifically, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. Who's who's his? Jesus, right? 
and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay, lots of words. I actually believe if we kind of look at it again, it's much simpler than you might think at first glance. He's saying, I want you to know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. He's saying that Jesus who, by the way, had a powerful resurrection from the dead, okay? That same power, he's saying, is the power that God is utilizing and working actively, not just past tense, not when I was five at VBS, but even right now, actively willing and wanting to work in your life like today. Okay, even more, I think Paul's just like going on a little riff. You know when my sermons get too long? I think this is kind of what's happening. You're like, every week, bro. All right, so what, what Paul's doing here is he's getting really excited. And he's like, hey, even more like, this is the Jesus who's above everything, all rule and authority sitting at the right hand of God. He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus. Like his power, how great and powerful he is. That same power is the power that God wants to work in you. And so the next thing that we need to pray for is not only to know the power of Jesus, not only to know about it, but to experience it now, because I believe that's what Paul is getting at. Not only to, to know of it, oh, I, yeah, I understand. I know Ephesians 1, yeah, 15 through, uh, what is it, 23? But I, I, yeah, I don't know if I experience it. Paul's saying the opposite, that the greatness of his power toward us who believe, all believers, Every Christian who's believed in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit. So this, this is for you now. And I would say, it'd be kind of funny, like, y'all would look at me weird. Let's say I come into this just crazy deal and someone hands me, like, the world's, like, fastest car with the world's most powerful engine in the world. And, like, I don't, this would never happen. Let's pretend that it did. And I'm like, after TNG, like, guys, I gotta show you this car. And like, okay, world's most powerful engine, right? And uh, we just go out and look at it, and probably one of the dudes is like, bro, start it up, man. And I'm like, oh, no, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. We just, we just, we just talk about the car <laughs> and how great it is. But we don't, we don't, we don't ever, like, see how, how powerful it is. Like, you would be like, dude, this is ridiculous. If y'all are smart, you'd steal the car because Cole doesn't deserve the car, all right? I would say in a very similar way that to just know about the power of Jesus and, and not to experience it would be like souping up your car with the, with the world's most powerful engine yet never even starting it, right? That, that's kind of what we're working with. Like it actually is available. And so here, some of you are like, I believe it, but Cole, what does that actually look like? This is theoretical and I'm so glad that you asked. I think that the power of God, if I could just really land it here just in the reality of life is because no matter where you're at, I think the places that we need to see God most are in struggle, right? Are in, in suffering. When things don't go as planned, which is just basically about everything, right? Like nothing seems to go exactly according to our plan or our life. We, whatever lot we get, whatever things happen to us, we're like, oh, I wasn't anticipating this. And so here's, here's how I encourage you to see the power of God. I would say name your struggle to God. Name it. What is it? Struggles, plural. And the will of God is for the power of Jesus to be present in that struggle. He wants to step into that exact place that you are feeling weak, that you are feeling unable, that you are feeling discouraged. And so here's a few examples. 
I, I, we talked about this a little bit last semester, but man, talk about like even myself, just being real with you, man, can experience some incredible amounts of anxiety, can experience d- depression, and that can be at any different levels. There can be various uh, degrees of mental illness and, and different kinds. And, and what the Lord Jesus would like to do through his Holy Spirit, according to these prayers, is maybe not take away all those problems, but what he wants you to do and showing you the immeasurable greatness of his power is to show you that actually those things don't have power over you because he is more powerful. Does that make sense? He doesn't take away the suffering. It's, it's the concept of, you see this in, in, in the gospel. Sometimes Jesus calms the storm with, with a word. And sometimes he, he says, hey, just because you're in the boat with me doesn't mean that we're not gonna go through that storm. You better hold on tight. It's gonna be a long night, but I am more powerful than the storm. Y'all see that? And so this also works with past shame and regret that tries to tell you his power over you. And Jesus is like, it doesn't have a measurable power over you, but I do. I have a measurable power over your life and over that thing that's bothering you. It, this has to do with, with ongoing sin. Some of you feel so discouraged and constantly d- defeated. And I would, just, I would just love for us to maybe have a moment where we realize that, that God has so rigged this system, system of grace that even when we mess up, even when we sin, that our repentance in that moment is still obedience. It still counts. So when we sin, we think it's done. Oh man, I've totally messed up. I've got to run away from God for a little bit. But in that moment, if you realize, oh man, I messed up, that even your immediate turning from that and say, God, I'm sorry, I sinned against you. He counts that as obedience. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? And so you're even like, name it. What, what could be more powerful than, than that type of grace and love? And that's the exact space that Jesus wants to step into. Broken relationships, he's got it. There are consequences there. But he's saying, I, I'm more powerful than those. Jesus is better. In all my sorrows, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. And just practically for a lot of you, trying to get through school and graduate. <laughs> some powerful weight of some procrastinated studying or even if you're trying to do it all and you just can't figure it all out. Man, do you know where you're gonna go even after you get this degree that's so hard to get? Jesus said, that's, that's pretty weighty, that's heavy. But just knowing me and having a relationship with me and the active things that I want to do in your life right now, I promise, are greater and better. And so we want to pray to not only know the power of Jesus, but to experience it now. I want to go ahead and have, have the band come up. I'm going to kind of land the plane tonight. I, I thought of some things that, man, even, even in my life, I think are, some really helpful applications, sort of as best as we can, taking these three things. I wanna say them again. Pray to have dependence upon the Holy Spirit for knowledge and wisdom. Pray for enhanced spiritual vision. And pray to not only know, theoretically, the power of Jesus, but God, I wanna experience it now. I think a few applications that I wanna give to you that may give us some good guardrails, some good boundaries for you note takers. Hopefully this is really helpful that you're gonna walk away tonight is, is first this. Pursue an experience of Jesus informed by knowledge of Jesus. Okay, the opposite is also true. Pursue knowledge of Jesus also 
while simultaneously experiencing him. And so here's what happens in our hearts. This is what happened to most of us when we first became believers, is that it was an incredible, probably emotional high. And God created the emotions. He, he created us to be stirred up. So that, that's a very good thing. But sometimes what we do in our Christian life, and sometimes why we feel dry, and sometimes why maybe some of you are like, I don't even know if I have the energy to pray for these things because I just feel so dry and, and empty, is because we think that the emotional high is the standard always of how life is. But you, you ever notice how sometimes you, you get really excited and you maybe have those worship experiences and this is fine. But if someone were to ask you, why are you feeling that way? You couldn't really put words to it sometimes. That's because sometimes our, um, our high experiences of, of emotions are not always informed by actually a deeper knowledge of who Jesus is. And the way that God that wants to work it is he wants them to work together. Like even for tonight, example, or last, last week, for example, or every single time you come into this room on Tuesday or Sunday, he wants what we learn to yield in your heart a greater worship. He doesn't want you worshiping the experience. He doesn't actually want you worshiping knowledge. He wants you worshiping Jesus through knowledge of him gives you an incredible experience of worship. Y'all tracking? I say y'all tracking a lot, sorry. No, y'all. <laughs> Next thing is this. Grow in knowledge and wisdom on your own, not just at church. Open those Bibles. Open that gift from God to you on your own and not just at church. Now, please open them at church. If Brother Cole ever, don't call me Brother Cole. If Cole ever stops opening that Bible, y'all better say something, all right? Something went wrong. It's good to open our Bibles at church. Where did I get that from? I think what this passage beautifully reveals is that the Holy Spirit of God is for you in growing in knowledge and wisdom and revelation of truth. You now see that? Is that a pretty fair conclusion? He is for you. And this gift of the Bible means that these experiences aren't just for the Dr. Gramlings of the world. These, these type of experiences are actually for the ordinary people just like you and me who have very ordinary lives but who, because we're believers, have something very extraordinary inside of us. That's the Holy Spirit. This is Christ in us. And so what happens, this is beautiful. We can actually establish rhythms in our life to where we're growing in Christ on our own. And at certain points in the week, Tuesday and Sunday, we're coming together with the rest of the body and we're actually beginning to flourish like God wanted us to because Tuesdays and Sundays are no longer the only days that we're experiencing God. We're experiencing him every day. And we get to share that experience collectively. So grow in knowledge and wisdom on your own, not just at church. I would say this last little application for us before the band leads us. Make sure that's your growth, that's your gaining of knowledge and wisdom. Make sure that they are accompanied by the power of God, by the power of Christ. Here, here's what I mean. Growing in knowledge is a very beautiful, beautiful thing. But if it's emptied of the power of Jesus, and you're like, the power of Jesus, where do I see the power of Jesus? I believe the overall overwhelming message of scripture is that the best way we see the power of Jesus is that we see his love, amen? That's the most powerful display. So like, if, if you're growing in knowledge, but, but thinking about the cross and looking at the cross yields nothing in you, then, then, then the Bible would tell us something is, is kind of gone wrong there. That whenever we're growing, Sorry, my notes keep going up. Whenever we're growing in knowledge, if we're not careful, 
that knowledge can become something that leads us to be prideful, legalistic, or even hateful towards non-Christians or people that maybe disagree with us in the small things. And God is like, no, I want you to grow in knowledge so you can be patient and tender and kind with this person who's denying God as you're in a conversation on campus or in your dorms so that you can just fall back and rely on what the Holy Spirit of God has already taught you and talk to them as a real person. See, when we, when we do the opposite, when we, when we make sure that our gaining of knowledge is accompanied by the power of God, what that means is that our knowledge is accompanied by a greater love for God and a greater love for people. That's the best way that, that Jesus can show his power in you is that we're loving God more and that we're loving people more. And so true spiritual knowledge is always accompanied with the power of Jesus, namely a power that postures itself more I'm growing, the more I love Jesus. And the more I'm growing, the more I love other people. So what I want to do tonight as we close in a very Paul-type fashion is I just want to pray these truths over you. I want to pray what Paul prayed for the church. And I want to invite you to do this as well. I honestly believe this is something in your own personal life. You're like, I don't know what to pray. Buddy, I hope, I hope you're fixed up for a few days after tonight. I hope you're fixed up. Pray these things. This, you can pray this on your own life. There may be people in your life, you're like, hey, this may be even you in the room. You're not even sure if you are a believer. You're not even sure if you've believed this. You know what's an incredible prayer of God that he receives? Some of you may be the point, God, show me that you're real. What you're actually praying for is spiritual vision. You're just not a believer yet. God, reveal to me that you're real. God's, one of God's favorite things to do is to reveal to people that he's real. Amen. I got back into my sermon. We're supposed to be closing, all right? I'm gonna pray for us. This is for, for you, for me, for people all around the world to pray these things. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. thank you that we don't have to wonder what to pray. We don't have to wonder what it looks like to pray when we really want to experience you more. It's right here. I pray first and foremost for myself. You know my heart and you know sometimes the chasm between what I, what I teach and, and what I can actually do and live. And so I, I pray, God, that you'd create heart change in me for those in this room to have a dependence upon your Holy Spirit for knowledge and wisdom. That we would, we would have the posture and assumption always that if we're gonna grow, we need you. We need to abide in Christ. We need to be totally dependent upon you. God, I pray for an enhanced spiritual vision for all of us in here that maybe, maybe grace seems like average grace and not amazing grace because our vision is a little blurred and we're not seeing it clearly for what it is. So I pray over all of us in this room, Lord, to renew us and restore in us. Holy Spirit of God, give us new lenses that you see through so we can see things as they really are. To see, oh man, there is, if there was a better word than amazing, we would use that. I, I pray that, that we'd be thinking that as we think about you. What Can we think of a better word because of how great and awesome you are, God? I pray for us to not only know about you, to not only learn just doctrines and 
and, and truths in and of themselves kind of distant and outside of us. But, but we would not only know the power of Jesus, but we would experience it now. God, in my life, you know the areas where I need you to work powerfully. You know them. And they're, everyone in this room, you know where that is for them. Would you do that? Would you show them that? Even with amazing how beautiful the, the death of Jesus on the cross and him raising from the dead, as powerful as it is, would you show them that even actively right now in 2022 and every single one of our lives that we want to work the same powerful things today? There's some people in here that need to see that, God, and I pray that you reveal that. Lord Jesus, you are good. You are awesome. You are worthy. So we worship you in song now. In Jesus' name. by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.